Hello, and welcome back to the Rebel Mama Hotline. We are so glad to have you with us today because we have a great show in store for you. That's right, because today we're discussing topics that are near and dear to our rebel hearts, swearing and weed. Ooh, our favorite things. But before we ask what's up with kids and cursing, we're asking what's up with motherhood and cannabis. Yeah, to be fair, we've actually been asking that for about seven years now. But ever since cannabis was decriminalized in Canada in 2018... Yeah, baby! (laughs) We've been particularly interested in the topic. So let's talk a bit first about society and how it views motherhood and cannabis. So I feel like even though it's now legal and literally just a plant... The old-timey narrative of pot being a gateway drug is still very prevalent. Um, We actually recently did a Ask Us Anything on IG, and basically almost all the questions that came in were about pot. And a lot of the moms in our community just needed to feel validated and told that it was okay to use it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, when something is illegal for as long as cannabis was, it's kind of hard to flip that switch in your head and suddenly think of it as just another normal part of life, totally free of negative connotations. Yeah, it's true. Older generations will have a harder time embracing destigmatization, and it might take them a bit longer. But with the anti-inflammatory properties of this plant, aging parents could probably benefit from usage in some way, shape, or form. It's kind of on us as the younger generation to have some informed conversations with our older family members and open their minds a bit. I actually drop off roll J's and edibles to my dad and father-in-law now. All it took was one experimentation a couple of summers ago. I talked to them about it. I let them try it. And now they're big fans. Surprise, surprise. But to be fair, my dad was a hippie in Europe in the 60s. So it was like coming back for him. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I share my bounty with my dad sometimes too. I feel like these guys know what's up. And honestly, even topicals can be really useful, Mm -hmm. especially for someone who is opposed to smoking for any variety of reasons or is weary of edibles. I just think it's worth having the conversation for sure, because at the end of the day, that's what it takes to tear down a taboo. It's just about bringing a conversation to light. Totally. And if you want to cite some medical facts in your chat, you can forward articles. There's studies now. There's so much information out there to support this. You could definitely make a case. But for women in particular, a great place to start is the effect of cannabis and endometriosis. Yes, I am so happy that the medical community is finally taking endometriosis more seriously. Of course, endometriosis is a condition that affects women only. And because that has been historically under-researched since medicine was monopolized by men for centuries, Mm. but it's a new day, it's a new era. And luckily there are some badass medical researchers out there who are finding treatments for endometriosis symptoms, and many of them are coming from our favorite little plant. So much this little plant gives. (laughs) So March is actually Endometriosis Awareness Month, so our resident cannabis expert, April Pride, made that the focus of her monthly column on therebelmama.com. You can head over there after episode and give it a read. Yeah, it's actually really fascinating. And we also asked April to explain to us what it is about this plant that makes it such a hero for women's health. Here she is to break it down. Hey, Rebel Mamas, April Pride here. And I just wanted to share with you some of the ways in which 
cannabis is a hero for women's health. I mean, just let's just take the fact that eight out of 10 autoimmune diagnoses go to women. And autoimmune is caused by underlying inflammation. So if you treat this underlying condition with cannabis, particularly CBD, it's a no-brainer. Just keep the inflammation at bay, and that will keep a lot of the um, pain and discomfort that come along with autoimmune diagnoses away. And with all the stress (laughs) that comes with being adults, THC is simply great to get high. It lets us relax and laugh like we're kids again rather than in charge of kids, meaning responsible for their health and happiness. Yeah, weed helps with a woman's physical, mental, and emotional well-being in many, many ways. I'm honestly so relieved that women are finding some reprieve through cannabis Mm -hmm. And I truly hope that legalization will result in a massive body of medical research to see how we can use this plant to its fullest potential. Yeah, for sure. The future is female flower, baby. Should we put that on a (laughs) t-shirt? I think we already have it on a t-shirt. I think 48 North designed it. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Um, But let's not pretend that our audience comes to us for medical advice only. (laughs) They definitely want to know the good stuff about weed, like how we pull off smoking a joint a day when we've got kids to keep alive great question (laughs) one pop at a time sister yeah exactly but for real let's start out with how do we handle the topic of weed with our own kids well i mean neither of us make it a big secret in our households yeah no no secrets here secrets are not good for anybody i mean i treat it much the same as alcohol which by the way in my house is displayed beautifully in the middle of my living room on a vintage bar cart (laughs) naturally i just think that if we shroud it in mystery it will become more of an interest for them which we don't want plus it's literally a plant like oregano and basil but we just smoke it Yeah, I mean, I think what we want is for them to just grow up seeing it as just another part of adult life, Mm -hmm. like wine or marriage or sex or any other adult thing that they don't participate in. And in an ideal world, it becomes something they either don't care about because it's boring or cringy Mm -hmm. or whatever because their moms like it, or it becomes something that they actually understand as a form of medicine that they can use responsibly when they're older. Yeah, I mean, I worry way more about chemical drugs and roofies in their future, to be honest. You know, the shit that can actually kill them. (laughs) I know, same here. That shit scares me to death. But at the same time, it definitely is important to ensure that kids know that there are negative effects of prolonged cannabis use, especially for young adults. It really is not something that should be used by anybody whose brain is still developing. Mm -hmm. And technically the brain isn't fully mature until you're like 25 for women anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the longer these kids can hold off on the bong hits, the better says the girl that took her first puff when she was 16, but we'll just let that go. That was the nineties. It was different then. Yeah. But there was also no research that told you about 
the effects no. of on a young brain. Like that's the beauty of legalization and decriminalization is that the research can actually happen. Like, yeah, I probably had my first puff when I was 14 or 15, but nobody knew that that was not ideal for a you know growing and brain. who knows where it came from <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah well exactly exactly that yeah so those risks will be laid out for our kids as soon as they hit junior high for sure you know kids tell each other everything mm-hmm. so i think the key is to try to get in there first with some true words of wisdom and real information yeah and if you have a kid who you think is curious our advice is to stick to the facts in conversations about weed Start by explaining what cannabis is, how it's used, how it affects the brain, and the difference between legal and black market cannabis. Yeah, and I also want to highlight here that Drug-Free Kids Canada is an awesome resource for this. Um, We've worked with them in the past, and they are wonderful. They don't stigmatize, and they truly believe that education is the key to keeping kids drug-free. So be sure to check them out if you need some resources and support before diving into the pot talk. Yes. (laughs) definitely base it on the facts and not on how much fun you yourself have (laughs) yes (laughs) but now let's switch gears and talk a little bit about cannabis and breastfeeding we get this question so so much and even though we are not actually qualified to answer it we will do our best here yeah i mean listen It's a really reasonable question, and the general consensus is that pregnant people should not be consuming THC. CBD is still TBD, but, you know, there really is enough research for anyone to know for sure yet. I'm sure it'll come. But because there does seem to be some amount of risk, the general recommendation is to abstain during pregnancy. But once the baby's out, you're all like, so when can I light a fat one again? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, generally smoking in general is not good for when you're pregnant. So there's that too. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we were asking back in 2014 when we were new moms. And we were so scared to pose that question in the mom groups. Remember? We would have been shunned forever if we asked that back. It's changed so much. That's why we're mommy group dropouts. That's why we had to drop out. <laughs> we just couldn't ask the pot questions. Exactly. <laughs> but we always do our research and refer to the experts. So in this case, the expert is Dr. Jack Newman. He's pretty much the breastfeeding guru, which is kind of weird because he's a dude, but whatever. <laughs> in any case, in 2019, he updated his stance on weed and nursing. I don't know where this was in 2014 when we needed it, but alas, in 2019, here we are. <laughs> so according to Dr. Jack Newman, he says that THC is very highly protein bound, actually 99.9% protein bound. Furthermore, if taken by mouth, as might the baby, it is very poorly absorbed from the intestinal tract with only 6 to 20% of it being absorbed. So with such high protein binding, it is unlikely that significant amounts will get into the milk. But note again that the high the mother experiences could last for a few hours, so her judgment will also be impaired. So then he goes on to explain what he means by impaired judgment. Quote, that is, if the mother is so impaired that she cannot make a good judgment about what her baby needs, that is potentially dangerous for the baby. For example, if the mother is high on marijuana and the baby is sick and gets sicker, would she notice that the baby is sick? Would she get into her car and drive the baby to the hospital or the, to the doctor? Mm. 
So basically, I think what he means is don't get so high that you're a total write-off. And we think that's fair. Just like don't get loaded on a bottle of rosé by the pool when you're on duty. Like the same rules apply. Be an adult and be responsible. Yeah, I think this is reasonable advice for sure. I would add a couple things to that. Um, The first is only partake when another responsible adult is home, Mm -hmm. i.e. your baby daddy. Because then you can actually relax and enjoy. Yeah, and take it slow. Never assume any level of tolerance, especially when trying new methods. If you took a nine-month break, you best believe shit is going to hit hard. So take it one puff at a time. I remember that with us, too, because we were always avid pot smokers. And then we took some time off when we were breastfeeding and we were pregnant. And then when we got back into it, it was like, whoa. Yeah. It's like high school all over again. I mean, it was great. I can't catch that buzz anymore. That's for sure. No, (laughs) not after this freaking pandemic anyway. Well, and it also, I think it goes without saying, but never, ever, ever drive high. And if you find yourself in that super unfortunate stoner situation that requires a late night trip to the emergency room with a small child, it is your responsibility to either call a cab or an ambulance. Yes, don't go there yourself. And that's the worst case scenario. Don't start thinking about that shit and spiral into an anxiety attack and kill the buzz to begin with. Yeah, that is how that happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So should we end this segment off on a fun note? Yeah, I think we definitely should. Weed, after all, is a fun little plant. Okay, so here are some of our tricks on how to do cannabis right on mom duty. All right, tip number one. Vape pens are a great way to introduce or reintroduce weed to your life. Check out brands like Dosis, which send a vibration when you've had the equivalent of one dose. Tip number two. When dosing, start low and go slow. The Leafly app is helpful if you're overwhelmed by choosing strains. So is April Pride's The High Guide and Do The Pop podcast. Tip number three. If you want to step out for a second, and you aren't ready to announce quite yet that you're just heading out for a puff, (laughs) why don't you try, I'm taking a phone call outside. I'm taking the recycling out. I gotta go check something in the garage. (laughs) Gotta go water the garden. Snow needs to be shoveled. There's so many options. Gotta go talk to that raccoon. He looks needy. (laughs) (laughs) That's you. That's only you. I know. So tip number four. Lego sets, kid movies, park days, beach days, arts and crafts are all activities that are way more interesting with a slight buzz. (laughs) And especially when your kid starts to tell you a story that you know will last forever, this way you'll be present and genuinely interested, which is also nice for them. Indeed. Well, that was a lot of info in a short amount of time. So why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we'll ask, what's up with kids and cursing? Stay tuned. The Rebel Mama's Handbook for Cool Moms is a girlfriend's guide to early motherhood, and it covers all the topics you need real-life advice on. This national bestseller is available everywhere books are sold, including ebooks and audio. But as always, we say check in with your local book or baby gift store to see if they carry them first and support small. All right, so we are back. And as promised, we are asking what's up with kids and cursing. 
Oh boy, I definitely have cursing <laughs> yes, children. Yes, you do. <laughs> and it is definitely my fault because I cannot keep my mouth under control. <laughs> Curse words legit just tumble out of me. Yeah, I've been known to drop F-bombs frequently and my husband is an avid user. But, you know, my approach is just to let the novelty wear off. My son said asshole for the first time when he was about one and a half and copied swear words in toddlerhood. But now that he's six, he's so over it. We actually set up a swear jar in our house for the adults to keep ourselves in check. He gets $1 for every bad swear he hears, and shit doesn't count, I'm saying. Like, nice. fuck, I asshole. shit doesn't count. No, shit is, like, not really a swear word. <laughs> but once he realized how much money he stood to make, it became a fun little game for him and had us way more mindful. And... Although we sometimes prepay him to shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> I'd also like to make the note here that the money he collects goes directly into his savings. So there is a benefit to it after all. It's not all lost. Wow, there's layers to that teachable moment there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, I would go flat broke if I tried that. Yeah, it's a lot of and money. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I've got two kids that would be spying on me. It would be a disaster. I also want to say that my kids are young, so I actually don't know if my approach is going to come back and bite me in the ass one day. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll let you guys know how it goes. They're four and six now. Um, but I swear pretty liberally at home, and I let my kids swear at home too. But the caveat is that they are not allowed to swear at no. the person, but they can definitely swear out of frustration and not get in trouble here. Yeah, I've heard the younger one go off. He kills me. He's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not a perfect process. And what I've always done is just stress that rules are different everywhere you go. And the key to life is to know what the rules are where you are and stick to them. So yes, in our house, you can swear, but that's it. You don't swear at school. Mm -hmm. You don't go to a friend's house and do it. You don't go to the grandparents' houses and do it. And I actually think that's a really important life lesson to learn the rules in different spaces and adhere to them. Again, really hoping this doesn't all backfire. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Honestly, I think the novelty wears off when you start them young. And I highly recommend not freaking out and making a big deal out of it when your toddler inevitably copies your profanities. Just ignore it. Try to keep your giggling to yourself because it is really funny when they're super tiny (laughs) and they're swearing. But you seriously can never react because kids fucking love a good reaction. And if you react, it's over. They'll do it over and over and over again. So help you God. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So we were actually having a discussion about swearing and kids with our friend Meg Broadbent not too long ago. And we promised that if we ever covered the topic on this podcast, we'd have her chime in. She's a dear friend, a badass writer and editor who also edited her first book, and the founder of Fern, which is a home and life transformation biz that everyone needs to check out. So we had her chime in on this combo, and here's what she had to say. Hey, Alex and Nikita. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love the podcast. Um, And you've actually caught me um, pre-coffee this morning, which I would say is my most sweary time of day, other than, I guess, bedtime, which I really hate. Um... But just talking about swear words, you know, they're they're in frequent use in our house, I would say, and I don't have a problem with that, to be honest. Um, 
I am a writer and a sometimes editor. And to me, you know, words really are important. Um, I do believe that they have meaning, that they have power. Um, and that they're really significant. So I don't really buy the argument of like, oh, it's just a word. It's just a word. It's not just a word. But for some swear words, for example, shit, fuck, asshole, those are great words. Like those are hilarious words. They're really appropriate in a lot of situations. I think um, there's nothing that can replace them in a lot of situations. So I, you know, I use those at home and I don't really care if my kids do. However, there are some words like loser or idiot or, you know, if in the future my son were to call my daughter like bitch or slut or something like that, you know, that would really be a problem. And I wouldn't be encouraging that. And I, you know, would be having a sit down discussion with them about that. And we do that with swear words, too. I think it's important that kids understand what they mean. Um, and then as long as we're all sort of on board about where it's appropriate to use them and what context it's appropriate to use them, then I think they're great. I think they're really hilarious. I think yelling the word shit or fuck in frustration is totally fine. And if you've ever seen like a two-year-old or a four-year-old do that, I don't think that you would ever stop them because it's probably one of the funniest things that you'll ever hear. <laughs> so yeah, I don't really have a problem with certain words. Um, I do have a problem with other words, but I think really it's just about not censoring anything and just having a discussion about all the words we use and uh, why they're important. Thanks. Love her. Yes. And I'm 100% with her. I mean, it might be our shared literary background that has us so aligned, but I'm also of the opinion that language is really important and expletives are just a part of language. And I think it's okay to show your kid that you're human and that humans are emotional. And curse words are simply a way of expressing emotions like anger and frustration. Sometimes when I lose my cool, <laughs> a little bit later I'll sit down with my kids and we'll actually talk about my behavior and how I could have handled the situation better. And it usually ends in an apology and everybody hugs it out and feels better. And the lesson in that is that you can pretty much spin all your fuck-ups into teachable moments when you got kids. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what parenting is, turning fuck-ups into teachable moments. Indeed. <laughs> yes. So how do we as parents explain to our kids that swearing isn't appropriate for them outside of home if you're a liberal with the expletives there? I think that kids have the capacity to understand that there are things that adults can do that kids cannot. Driving falls into that category. Drinking, mm -hmm. sex, cannabis. They can know that these things exist, though. They just need to understand that there are boundaries around them. For example, again, swear words and frustration are one thing, but name calling and putting others down is quite another, as Meg said as well. Yeah. And one thing we cannot deny is that when children are forbidden to do something, it makes them want to do it even more. So, as, so an open-minded mentality may actually make for less rebellious kids. Think about the kids growing up in households when they're not allowed a lick of alcohol ever. I know my parents let us try wine when we were younger, so it wasn't anything crazy. But aren't they the first ones at out-of-control spring break parties? Like, I don't want any part of that. I just want to normalize everything. Yeah, same here. I'm with you 100%. Okay, so as much as we would love to discuss this forever, because we love swear words, we have to <laughs> wrap up this episode, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's do it. Fuck it. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us today to discuss a few of our favorite things, swearing and weed, and holler if these are also the pillars in your life. <laughs> 
We truly hope that you found this episode equally fun and educational. These are topics that were lobbed at us by our community, both on Facebook and Instagram, which we love. So if you've got something you want us to discuss, please feel free to let us know. We aim to please. We sure do. But before we go, we want to say a big thank you to our wonderful guests, April Pride, cannabis aficionado, do the pod podcast producer and founder of The High Guide, as well as Make Broadbent, our dear friend, editor of our handbook for cool moms and organizer supreme. Yeah, seriously, everybody has to follow Meg at Space by Fern ASAP for the hottest tips on getting your space in check or better yet, Hire her to overhaul your home and your life. It is worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Clean space, clear mind. Amen to that. Well, that's it for us, guys. See you next time. The song you're listening to is called Name and Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music. Bye for now.